This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Susan Kleiner. These are going to be kind of quick hit um, podcasts. And so if you don't know how to reach me or you want to start a free trial of Eat to Perform, just go to www.eattoperform.com. If you want to buy any of Susan's books, Susan, tell them where they can find you. DrSKleiner.com. And okay. at Power Eat on Instagram and Twitter and Dr. Susan Kleiner on Facebook. I would say the one book that if you listen to this podcast, you should have a copy of New Power Eating. All right. So what we're going to get into for this one is going to be the relationship of cortisol to insulin. So one of the things that we often hear about, especially as it relates to people trying to get to a calorie deficit, is, well, I'm hearing that my cortisol might be high or, or things of this nature. And a lot of people don't realize the relationship between insulin and cortisol. And oftentimes these people have been dieting for a very long time and they've tried literally everything, all of which is a version that's going to be something that would keep your insulin low and keep your cortisol high, right? So talk a little bit about that and working with your body's physiology and why that's important. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, so, so you know, the, the teeter-totter between cortisol and insulin is all built for our benefit of survival. If you were, you know, hanging out outside the cave and uh, a tiger or a lion or a big bear approached, you'd want to get moving really fast. And so no different than if you're in the blocks for a race or you're on the platform ready to dive into a pool for a swim race. And so, so cortisol is what gets you out of the blocks. <laughs> and because it is the, it's an initiator of the fight or flight response. When we need to access all of our fuel to use it, um, cortisol goes up and, and then we start to release blood sugar into the sugar into the bloodstream from our our storage we start to access as much fast fuel as possible and typically um, we're going to either win that race with the the predator or um, we're going to be eaten either way this is supposed to be a short moment in time the other thing is is that cortisol is also part of the cascade of biochemical events that impact your brain and the sense of satisfaction as well. Just so you know that action is part of satisfaction and cortisol is required for that sense of satisfaction. So it's both mental and physical. Well, so insulin's job is the opposite. Insulin's job is to move what we consume into our tissues. It is anabolic. It, it, it helps build the body, whereas um, cortisol is catabolic. It's breaking down the stores that we've put in there for just that moment that we need to get the hell out of there. And so when we, are, when we have a rise in cortisol, we are not having much insulin action. In fact, insulin action is suppressed. And when we have sufficient insulin around, our cortisol levels typically, although not always, but typically are going to be lower. 
what affects that? Well, when we are well fed, we have low, typically low cortisol levels when we're taking good care of ourselves, when we are trying to decrease our stress, and that's when our insulin is working really properly. Um, also, getting a, a good amount of exercise, a good amount of rest and relaxation and recovery. When we are under-fueling, under-carving, keeping our body in a constant state of stress, our cortisol levels go up, our insulin not only is low, but the need for insulin becomes somewhat disturbed and ultimately dysfunctional because we are not made to have cortisol levels high all the time. That becomes negative rather than a positive response over long periods of time, it becomes negative and our physiology gets basically, it's not confused, it's doing what it is meant to do if we were constantly having to run from that bear. But, but, it, but the system isn't designed for constant states of stress. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I like the way you describe it as it relates to anabolic, which means building tissue, right? And then catabolic, which means tearing down tissue. Insulin is anabolic, cortisol is catabolic. And so when we look at the differences between the two and the relationship with insulin, a lot of people recognize that there's a relationship between sleep, right? And so one of the things that, that we often, so, so one of the recommendations that I have, and I'm, I'm a person that typically will struggle with sleep. So as an example, um, my dog woke me up in the middle of the night. Sometimes uh, the, it, it'll be difficult for me to get back to sleep. And so what I will do is just have like oatmeal, peanut butter, and, and protein. And then normally I'm able to go to sleep relatively quickly, right? Because if you think about what it is, and this is what I'm trying to describe in a practical food type way, what you're doing is you're getting kind of a big load of calories there, right? All at once. You're getting carbohydrates all at once, right? And basically you're signaling to your body, hey, we're, we're fine, right? There's no bear behind the weeds anymore, right, right. right? And then normally I'm able to, to get back to sleep in that regard. And I think what happens for a lot of people in that situation is they start waking up because, and this is, what, this is why I think this one is so important, is you're intermittent fasting, or you're in these, these super big deficits, or you're eating low carb, and you don't realize that basically what you're creating is an environment where cortisol is going amok, right? And then there's all these things out there. Everybody's talking about cortisol. Everybody's talking about stress. And what they don't tell you is that if you're eating 1,200 calories, that's a contributor to the process. Now, does that mean that, you know, you should never be in a deficit or that your calories should never be low or something of this nature? I wouldn't say that that's true. But what I would say is that the way that most people diet is, is it doesn't have beginning and end, right? It doesn't have like a process right? It, it's more or less, let's do as much as possible, as fast as possible, so I can get back to normal and eat the way that I'd like to eat. 
And sadly, that's not really the way that it works in real life, right? The way that it works in real life is that you often have to kind of change a lot of habits along the way, right? But it's this overreaction, right, that it often causes the problem and, and really makes the problem a lot worse, right? So I know for myself, as someone who has had sleep disorder issues, who who has had sleep issues in the past, whenever I'm in a deficit, I like to make sure that I'm going into a deficit with a good sleep routine in place because that gives me the chance to have the most success. And then if I, if I start to really struggle with sleep or something of this nature, maybe my deficit's a little too, um, too much for that moment. And then I'll start to add some carbohydrates and calories, right? To sort of make up for the difference. But usually I would say, you know, for me, kind of the way that the cycles work at Eat to Perform is you kind of have, have six weeks, right? And then there is a period that, that where you reset, kind of get your metabolism going again, and then there's another six weeks. So for most people, they're not looking at like this six-month-long, two-year-long deficit cycle, right? Um, all right. I think we covered that, but is there any one last thing that you think everyone needs to know as it relates to cortisol and insulin? Yeah, don't multiply your extremes all at one time. So if you're going to do a deficit diet, don't cut your carbs to nothing because you're gonna kill yourself with your stress response. Um, keep the whole grains in, keep your vegetables in, keep some, if you're a dairy consumer, keep your dairy in, uh, carbs are there too. Uh, because the carbs will multiply the stress, the, the lack of carbs will multiply the, the stress response. And so going into a deficit is one thing, then cutting carbs down to zero at the same time is, is, is you are putting, you're making one step forward and two steps back because your, your caloric deficit slows down and, and makes your body reserve fuel for more for your exercise and and limits your necessary functions and then when you cut out carbs it is particularly powerful in making your body sort of um choose to turn down um specific non-essential um, functions so we know that low carb diets um diminish immune function we know that low carb diets diminish reproductive function. And so that means you're turning calorie burning down. We're not just talking about health, but if you're looking for a weight loss outcome, you are defeating the whole purpose by, by, by just shutting down your calorie burn even when you're sitting still. So, um, and, and then select, of course, your carbs carefully, as you heard me say, whole foods, whole grains, it does matter if you're choosing ultra-processed versus very limited processed foods. The last thing I'll say, I said I would give you the last word, but, but <laughs> uh, what, I, what I want people to know is that intermittent fasting is very similar to low-carb. If you think of the main function of intermittent fasting and why it will work or something of this nature, 
once again, you're, you're artificially repressing insulin. And that's what we're trying to affect here. And what's interesting right now, and, and we'll get into it a little bit more in later podcasts, but when Susan talks about multiplying extremes, when you talk about you know, going low carb, that's an extreme. Dieting is an extreme. Intermittent fasting is an extreme, right? And so often you will end up with like these big blood sugar rushes and things of this nature as it relates to these extremes. And then ultimately you're sort of defeating your goal. Okay, so we're gonna end right there. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. We wanna make these really consumable so you can take like these topics and just kind of dive in you know, for 10 to 15 minutes and go from there. So I appreciate everybody listening and we'll talk to you later.